Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Jim, one of the things I think that, that separates both of us from most of our friends, even our families, is we are optimists. Wait, you didn't wake up this morning thinking the world was going to end? No, I didn't. Um, and I think actually the world is overall getting better. And that's such an unfashionable view. But I know you share it. Right. And you'll get thrown out of any party trying to argue this point. Why the sky isn't falling. Greg Easterbrook. Some politicians, some editorial writers, thinks, oh, you're a Pollyanna. You say there are no problems. Optimists do not say there are no problems. What optimists say is, these are the problems that I see that can be fixed. I think they almost find comfort in denying the possibility that things could be getting better. Are you finding this across the board? Well, let's uh, let's just put it on the table. Angus Deaton in the New York Times review boiled down to how dare this man claim the world is getting better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's the perfect tone for that piece. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix fix it? it? How do we fix it? Richard, it seems like pessimism is more popular than ever. And simple optimism is one of the most controversial positions you could possibly take. You think the world is getting better? What are you, some kind of idiot? Just look around. And and some kind of lightweight? I get that. So our guest today is someone who actually fits well into our more optimistic how do we fix it worldview. So Greg Easterbrook has written 10 books and he's been a leading writer for the Atlantic Monthly for four decades. He's also written for the New Yorker, Wired, the New York Times, and many others. His latest book is called It's Better Than It Looks, Reasons for Optimism in an Age of Fear. Greg joins us via Skype from Bethesda, Maryland. Welcome to How Do We Fix It? Thanks for having me. So you call yourself a cynical optimist. Explain. Well, I don't think that you have to have a sunny or rose-colored view of the world in order to be an optimist. You can be a cynical optimist. You can be very cynical about the world. An optimist can get angry when things are bad. The Parkland, Florida shooting, if that didn't make you furiously angry, I don't know what would. If you're an optimist, you think those problems can be fixed. If you're a pessimist, you think the world's going to hell and there's nothing I can do about it. Why is being an optimist more empowering than being a pessimist? Politicians constantly emphasize the most negative possible view of the world. And and Donald Trump 
was really good at that. So was Bernie Sanders because they want to sell you the belief that the people who are in charge now are screwing everything up. And the last hope for planet Earth is to put the people who are campaigning for office in charge. In fact, Trump himself constantly said, I'm the only one, the only one in the entire world who can save the country. So you had to sell a negative point of view to get that across. On the flip side, if you're an optimist, some politicians, some editorial writers thinks, oh, you're a Pollyanna. You say there are no problems. Optimists do not say there are no problems. What optimists say is, these are the problems that I see that can be fixed. So your book just covers such a wide range of of fields. And, and as you note, you're not saying that these problems don't exist, but that in so many areas where problems exist, they've gotten better and further solutions are on the horizon. One of them is global health. Longevity is increasing. It's been increasing steadily since the 19th century, almost everywhere in the world. Uh, rates of almost all kinds of diseases, including most cancers, are in long-term decline almost everywhere in the world. All forms of pollution except greenhouse gases are in long-term decline. Crime and war are both in a cycle of long-term decline. You'd, you would never believe from cable news that war is declining, but it is. And we could talk about the statistics if you want. Discrimination is in decline. Education is rising. Living standards are rising. Practically everything that's objective that we can measure with numbers has been getting better at least for years and in most cases for decades. Let's talk about war because the Syrian war has been an utter tragedy and millions of people have been forced from their homes. The death toll is vast. Uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, a uh, part of Central Africa that really gets mentioned in the media, there's a vast humanitarian crisis that's been rolling on there for many years. So make the argument that the world actually isn't more violent than it used to be because, boy, it sure seems to be violent even in parts of the world where we don't hear much from. Well, horrible, horrible acts of violence occur, and the, the situation in Syria right now is so incredibly depressing. But if you look at the big numbers, a few that I'll throw at you, one is that the odds of any person dying through war are right now today at the lowest that they have been in human history. Go back 25 years, the rate at which people were dying in warfare 25 years ago, had that rate applied to 2017, 600,000 people would have died around the world for more. The actual number was 70,000. So even as, that's still a horrible number, but even as the world becomes more full of people and as there's plenty of guns, fewer people are dying in war. Now, if you've got a globe in your office or your home, spin your globe. Watch those countries go by. Watch the hemispheres go by. There's an Eastern hemisphere and a Western hemisphere where the three of us live. There is no war anywhere in the Western hemisphere right now. There's problematic governments that you and I don't like, but there's no war. And it's, there's a pretty good chance that this is the first time in human history that there is an entire hemisphere without any war. That's a very powerful argument. Where do you get your numbers from, though? There's uh, in, in Sweden at Uppsala University, which is the Harvard of Sweden, there's a violence study institute that's considered the best source of this. And if, if you read if you read my source, the New York Times complained about my source notes. But if you <laughs> if you read the source notes that the New York Times complained about, you find elaborate detail on where those numbers come from. 
One reason that pessimism remains so popular in, let's say, Europe and North America is that a lot of the most dramatic progress hasn't really happened here in the last 20 years. It's happening in the developing world. Tell us about global poverty. The, The line I use, and it's better than it looks, is great things are happening, just not here. If you were a historian approaching the era that we're alive, from the perspective of the future, I think I think that historians will say, all these guys were so obsessed with Donald Trump and, and Playboy models on TV. Who cares about that? Why weren't they looking at the decline of poverty in the developing world? Mostly in Asia, but also in South America and Africa, there's still a lot of poverty to be eradicated, but the rate of decline in the last 25 years has been phenomenal. It's arguably the single greatest achievement in human history. It has not occurred in the United States or Western Europe. It's occurred in the developing world. But the numbers are fantastic. 50 years ago, more than 50% of humanity lived at the level of extreme poverty, which the World Bank defines as a little under $2 per day in income. Now it's down to about 11% of humanity. In the same period, the global population has almost doubled. So you mentioned population. Um, A lot of people think that's a problem. When I was a teenager and a budding environmentalist, I was really influenced by the Paul Ehrlich book, The Population Bomb, that argued that global population was in a runaway, we were going to run out of food, and literally people would be starving even in North America by, say, the late 1980s. What actually happened? Now, just as your odds of dying in war are the lowest in human history— your odds of being malnourished are the lowest in human history, even though population creeps growing so much. And the reason is that nobody knew that green revolution agriculture was going to cause crop yields to increase faster than population growth. Thomas Malthus wouldn't have believed that. Karl Marx, who thought that we were all going to starve to death, wouldn't have believed that. Nobody knew that green revolution was possible. While you can argue that things are definitely getting better in most of the rest of the world, are they really getting better here? I, I, the way I would answer about the United States is, is there any year in the American past where you would rather live as an average person than today? Uh, Donald Trump constantly talks about, oh, how I love the old days. We're, we're all prone to arguments from nostalgia. So when were these old days? What was the location of these good old days? What town? What year? As an average person, I don't think there's any year in the past where you would have gotten better health care, where we, you would have had more personal freedom, where you would have had more financial security. Yeah, the, the current economy is very turbulent, but in general, financial security keeps rising. There certainly is no year in the past where the average person would have lived at a higher material standard. Uh, and, and I think the preservation of freedom in the United States is the strongest that it's ever been. One area where there's a lot of concern and pessimism and something we've focused a lot uh, on our show, How Do We Fix It?, is the growth of the big data giants, Facebook and Google in particular, and the kind of scary potential of them having this much information on all of us and how it might be used in various ways. What's your take on this situation? I think it's something that your listeners should be really concerned about. I have three kids all under the age of 30. I think their generation's challenge is going to be preventing electronic surveillance from taking over the world. 
It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our guest is Greg Easterbrook, and his book is called It's Better Than It Looks, Reasons for Optimism in an Age of... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fear. So, Greg, let's talk again. I guess I'm the skeptic on the show, and this is, a, is an uncomfortable, that's a, that's a unusual <laughs> role for me. Uh, but... Isn't democracy right now on the decline or at least being fundamentally challenged in the United States, in Eastern Europe? We've seen Russia becoming ever more corrupt. Now China has a president for life, Xi Jinping, and we've had the rise of authoritarian leaders in several places. That's a pretty powerful argument that maybe things aren't getting better, at least when it comes to democracy. Well, on China, I would say China has a president for life and until he mysteriously falls down the stairs. Also, I have a section, and it's better than it looks, where I quote the democracy theorist Larry Diamond of Stanford, who I'm a big fan of, is saying that we're in a democracy recession, and we are. Russia, Turkey, several other, Croatia. Venezuela. Venezuela, certainly. Well, they've, been, they've been in recession for a long time, but there, there are several countries in the world that are waffling on democracy. But compare that to what was expected to happen. The smartest person who lived in the 20th century, George Orwell, thought that by 1984, dictatorship would have complete, unchallenged control of the world. And instead, since roughly the end of World War II, the percentage of the global population that votes in true multi-party elections has steadily increased. There's a lot that needs to be done to improve it. I think our democracy here in the United States needs needs a lot of work, and, and not just because well, Donald Trump won, and we don't like Donald Trump. There'll always be somebody who wins that you don't like. I, I think there are structural problems with our democracy, uh, hyper-gerrymandering being one of those problems. But still, in general, democracy has been beating dictatorship now for since about the year 1950, and I think that will continue. You know, Greg, your theme here is something that's very much been a big topic of how do we fix it, but I'm always struck by how much people don't want to believe this, including some reviewers of your book who 
to my mind, kind of set up a straw man. I mean, well, Easterbrook is saying everything's great and progress is inevitable, which I didn't see you say. And then, of course, that's wrong. And so there's a criticism of your your book, and you see it sometimes even in interviews. People seem to cling to certain sets of facts that I think they almost find comfort in denying the possibility that things could be getting better. Are you finding this across the board? Well, let's uh, let's just put it on the table. Angus Deaton in the New York Times review boiled down to how dare this man claim the world is getting better. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the perfect tone for that piece. Well, and, you know, as 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 a as a as a host of a podcast that interview, mostly interviews writers, I hate to bring up a negative review, but I, yeah, I, I was so struck by that. Even before reading the book, it seemed like an unfair critique. Well, and it sure seemed that way to me. And I got to say, it, it did a lot of damage to the sales of the book. So Angus Deaton got what he wanted. I, I once gave a, a talk about 20 years ago that was titled, Why the Good News Scares People. And I think we're in that situation a little bit. Some people think that, well, if you say things are getting better, that means you advocate complacency. Nobody wants complacency. I certainly don't. I think the fact that, that reform works and things get better is the big argument for more reform on climate change, inequality, and so on. Yeah, it, it's much easier to make the case that the world's going to hell and that things are getting so much worse now than they used to. And it seems like with social media and, and the Internet that those kinds of headlines get more clicks. Well, I think two things have happened. One is in the post-war era, there's been a dramatic increase in the percentage of Americans and Western Europeans who attend college. And I think that's great. But what, what happens to you in college? You're exposed to snobbery as a way of viewing the world. So when, when people graduate from college and go out in the world, they try to think of stuff to feel superior to or better than. I mean, that's one. And Richard, as you say, the, the evolution of social media has increased the focus on things that are negative. Those have always been factors in society. They've always been factors in the media. But now they're amplified as never before by these little devices that we carry around in our pockets all the time. But in the past, people are much more likely to say that America was moving in the right direction, and now that's not the case, right? Right. If you look at two recent Republican presidents, Ronald Reagan elected in 1980, Donald Trump elected 2016, Reagan was an optimist through and through. There were things that he didn't like, things that he complained about. But his phrase, it's morning in America, wasn't just a cliche. It was an expression of, of his worldview. And now we've got Donald Trump, who's 100% negative about everything. And we almost had Bernie Sanders, who's also 100% negative about everything. It's as if this is a comforting thought. Now, on statistics, Gallup and Pew, the two best polling organizations in my in my view anyway, have since the 1970s been polling on the right direction, wrong direction. Question, do you think the country's headed in the right direction or the wrong direction? One of those two companies phrases it as, are you satisfied with the country or dissatisfied? Those answers were positive until the year 2004. They've been negative ever since. What else happened in 2004? That's the year Facebook went into business. <laughs> and of course, I don't think that Facebook is the only factor here, but I think it's a major factor. That was the year that we started, well, I say we, that most Americans, darn close to all Americans, 
started spending a fair amount of time with a very sophisticated product that is engineered to exaggerate negativity and discord and does those things really well. I want to talk a little bit about reasons for hope. Talk about acid rain and the ozone hole. Two problems that back in the 80s we thought were going to just continue getting worse but have been largely addressed today. How did that happen? People under the age of 25 probably even say, what is the ozone hole? I've never heard of that. What is acid rain? As recently as the 1980s, all smart people thought that acid rain would cause a new silent spring in the eastern United States and also in the central part of Europe, that acid rain was going to destroy forests. Instead, forests tells us that today is and almost everywhere in the world is the best that it's been in, in the last couple of centuries. And everybody thought that the ozone hole over the South Pole, where nobody lives, would expand so much that, that deadly radiation was affecting the whole planet. The ozone hole is now closing. In the case of acid rain, there was a business model, acid rain trading, that solved solved the problem. In the United States, acid rain emissions are down 83% since when the acid rain training program went in, into effect in 1991. And in the case of the ozone hole, there was a technical fix, the chemical that's so hard to say, chlorofluorocarbons, <laughs> which, which were causing most of the ozone hole effect, could be replaced with other classes of chemicals that don't have a depletion effect. So not only are these two problems, they're not solved, but they're mainly addressed. They give you hope for fixing climate change. One of the refreshing things about what you say in your argument is not everything's getting better. I mean, things are better than you think, but there are still major problems in the world from from climate change to trying to fix our federal debt, which is getting worse oh, all the lots time. Oh, lots of problems. I'm not just saying things are better than they look. I'm saying that we take that fact and use it as the argument for more reform because climate change has got to be fixed and equality has got to be fixed. So it, at, the, at the top of the show, we did, you gave us a really effective, quick <laughs> kind of laundry list of some of the ways the world's getting better. But you also have a lot of concrete proposals. Can you give us kind of a whirlwind tour of some of the specific things that you'd advocate if you were um, in a position to make things better? I think a carbon tax is the fundamental solution to greenhouse gas emission levels. It can be a revenue neutral tax. Right now we, we tax labor and capital, both of which are good. We don't tax pollution. If instead we tax pollution, a carbon tax would lead very rapidly to reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. I think the federal minimum wage has to go up. It's still only about 60% of what it was in the 1960s if you convert to current dollars. Anybody who works a 40-hour week in the United States should not be in poverty. And I think all roads lead to universal basic income. You mentioned the national debt. we got to deal with the national debt before we can move the country toward a universal basic income regime. You mentioned the role of college, and you said you think that the academic world is more influential than many people think, even for people who don't go to college. Maybe those ideas filter down. The line I use in the book is that I, I worked on It's Better Than It Looks for five years, knowing that I'd be swimming upstream against the conventional wisdom, and knowing that if I was working on a book titled Doomsday 2025, every college in the country would want to put that book on their curriculum. And I think that's the way it is. 
Hasn't that always been the case, though? I mean, Jim was talking about a book that influenced him a great deal, and me too, The Population Bomb. And I remember that being number one bestseller in our campus bookstore. And the, and the author was on Johnny Carson. Uh, yes. yes it's hard uh, to believe, so, isn't it? so, I mean, yeah, it is hard to believe because Paul Ehrlich was spectacularly wrong in so much of what he said. So isn't it, uh, ha- have things changed that much? We, we actually should have an honorary society of people who were wrong about everything and became famous for being wrong <laughs> about everything. I, I guess Paul Ehrlich would be the president for life of that, of that society. Um, why has it gotten worse? I, I, I think more people are exposed to depressing thoughts. There's more echo chamber. I'd like to end on a positive note, please, <laughs> uh, because because this book is essentially positive. How can we how can we change the the dynamic going forward? And how how can we convince more people? Maybe not everybody. Maybe not a majority. That 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 optimism is cool, not pessimism. Well, I mean, uh, as as you see, I'm doing what I can as a writer. If I could grab people by the lapels, I would say your views of the world should be based on facts. What emotions you want to have about the world, that's your choice. But your choice has consequences. In the United States in 2016, that choice of believing the most negative possible analysis of the United States resulted in Donald Trump as president. And in the same year, 2016, in the United Kingdom, that choice, believing the most negative possible interpretation of European politics, resulted in the Brexit vote. Uh, of the United Kingdom had never been more peaceful and more prosperous, and yet 52% of its voters were convinced that everything was terrible. So, yeah, it's your choice to believe that things are terrible, but that choice has consequences. And the way to avoid that is to look at the world, consider the facts, and and derive your emotions from facts. And most facts are pretty positive. Greg Easterbrook, thanks very much for joining us. Sure. Thanks for having me, guys. So I like this I like this quote Jim that's from Greg's book which is the arrow of history points forever upward. Right. And yet, you know, he's gotten so much criticism for pointing out these facts that are actually pretty overwhelming, but people want to assume that he's neglecting all the bad stuff, all the setbacks. And it's not just Greg Easterbrook. Uh, Steven Pinker has, has also written a book with, with similar conclusions that, at least in terms of the global perspective, life has been getting very much better. Right. Why did pessimism become so popular? You know, um, Easterbrook makes this point that part of it is the influence of academia, that in that setting it's socially a lot cooler to be a skeptic, to be a pessimist, than to appear to be an optimist. I do think that's a that's a big part of it. I think it began a lot earlier than 2004, even though the the, the numbers from the polls don't exactly sure. back well, me I mean, up. I think I mean, he's I saying think, that's, I think kind of, that's, a, that's a turning point in polling when the, right. when, the po- when the negatives first outweighed the positive. I think it really began with the baby boomer generation and the, the collapse of, uh, of, of America in a sense, in a psychological sense, with the failure in, the, in Vietnam. 
I, I think that was a huge generational divide between uh, our generation and our parents' generation. And I think that it led to a lot of cynicism and a lot of belief that uh, the, the experts are wrong in all cases. Right. But it's not just cynicism. He, he used this phrase when he was talking about, about the early days of Nazi Germany, a rapturous time. People love being angry and pessimistic. You know, look at those people at those Trump rallies. They thought the country is falling apart and they were having the time of their lives. They were having a ball. Look at Bernie's supporters. If you really believe things are terrible, then it's empowering. First, it gives you and your worldview and your group power. It's also an argument for radical change, for not don't just tinker, let's start over. And I think that's part of what makes that kind of pessimism dangerous because it means might mean giving too much power to groups of people who want to do too much too soon or just have the wrong ideas about how to fix things but maybe just maybe things are beginning to change i was really encouraged uh, even if you don't agree with all of their policy prescriptions i was really encouraged by the message that came out of march for our lives which was a very optimistic message and over and over again these 16 17 18 year old kids were saying you got to get out and vote you got to take part in the system. They weren't talking about burning the house down. They were talking about voting people out of office. It was a much more powerful message than I, I've I heard agree. from a lot of protests. It was, it was these, I, I, I think the kids are great, and God bless them, and it's wonderful to see people becoming involved. But I think a lot of the message is these problems are so simple if, if just if— if we were in charge and we got rid of the grown-ups, everything would be fine. It's, these are simple moral questions. One side's right, one side's wrong. They're actually somewhat complicated. If you're not willing to even talk to the people on the other side, hear different perspectives, you might not be able to get the problem solved. Any, any protest movement has to a rally around certain slogans and certain symbols. The point I'm making is one of their key arguments is get involved in the process rather than just yelling and screaming uh, outside large skyscrapers in Manhattan. Yeah, no, well, let's, so let's, let's check back uh, in a couple of years and see what happens. And if, see and see if, who's right. And, and if it did produce change. But we're certainly, you know, engagement with a positive goal in mind is certainly what we're looking for. It's what our show's all about. Our baseline is that we're out of time on How Do We Fix It? Thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. And our music is by Lou Stravinsky. We are a production of Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. If you're interested in jumping into the world of podcasting, check us out at DaviesContent.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns.